You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, David Hall. I'm back. Mason Stiver. Hey, Mike. Tony Groves. Good evening, gentlemen. Hey, hey. And maybe Chris will join later, and maybe Bill will join as well. All right, let's jump right into it. It is a season, guys. We're back to it. I can't believe it. Uh, so we got a lot of news to talk about as the first week of the NIS season starts uh, yesterday um, in the 36-week season. So uh, we'll get right to it. But first, let's talk about the Old Bastards Racing League because we do sponsor the iRacers Lounge National Series on Monday nights. It was uh, 36 drivers for a caution-filled race at Kansas. Professional ARCA driver Kevin Pearson came from deep in the field starting 26th to win the Hard Charger Award and grab the checkered flag for the win. Josh Mayhew second, Patrick Scahill third. Next Monday, the National Series heads to Canadian Motorsports Park for the second round of the playoffs. Uh, as far as Team Tifosi, Justin Laird, 14th, uh, starting 14th, finished 8th. Uh, Tony Groves finished 10th. Junior Scales, uh, Chris Scales started 17th, finished 14th. And Greg Hectus uh, started 10th, finished two laps down and 19th. Yeah, that was, um, uh, for me, that was an absolute great race. Um, my my position only shows 10th, which is still good racing against these guys. Um, you know, yeah, there was a lot of cautions, uh, a lot more than I know um, the guys would like to see out there. Uh, I did a lot of wreck dodging. Um, some of those, I don't even know how the heck I got got through them, but I did. But uh, for me, if it wasn't for, um, I, was, I, I had a couple of uh, black flags for entering the pits unsafely, and I don't know why those happened. I never hit no cones or anything like that, but. And then I slid through my pit box a couple times, slowed me up. But um, my feelings on the race for me, it was like one of my best races with these guys. Um, had I not made some of those silly mistakes and had those end-of-line penalties, I, I, had, I took two end-of-line penalties, drove back up to the front twice. Um, Kansas was really good to me. I, I felt super comfortable at that track. And um, I... I could have easily finished a lot higher um, had I not had those oopses throughout the race. All right. And, uh, you know, Justin, I think that's his best finish over there, too, in eighth. Uh, but Greg, uh, being in the playoffs, I don't think he uh, got the finish he wanted, 19th. No, no, definitely not. Greg Greg had some trouble throughout that race, obviously. Um, but I know he's... he's uh, still in the playoffs and I believe he's he's sitting in about second place right now um, but we're going to going to our home track next week um, road course pretty, yeah yeah it's a road course but it's a fun one um, and I don't usually say that too much about road courses but um, I expect Greg to have a pretty good finish there I know he's he's quite proficient on on the road courses so is this the one that has uh, elevation changes? Yeah. Yeah, the um on on the 
back section. I want to call it the back section. You're kind of up and down. down. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're going downhill and you got that really tight. It's almost like it almost feels like a 180 turn. And then, yeah, you drive back up the hill into um, some S's and stuff before you come back across the, the finish line. Yeah, that is fun. It's, which track was it? I was setting Ca- some stuff uh, up. The Canadian Motorsports. Oh, yeah. I'm not too familiar with that one. I love Montreal, but I haven't really done much at Canadian. What was it called before Canadian Motorsports? Was that always the name of it? Um, yeah, I've always known like the Canadian Tire Motorsport Park um, is what I've always known it as. And it's probably had some other names uh, throughout the years. I'm just I'm not aware of them. All right, cool. Well, let's keep moving. Um, we'll go into topics. Uh, I'll pick up Chris. Uh, uh, he's not here yet. Uh, the 2019 NASCAR iRacing Series schedules announced uh, just shortly before we started. I mean, they gave no notice, but it is as expected. It's what we had last year. Uh, we already know what the long races are. And uh, there's a long format uh, picture that you can click on and get details of dates and times and uh, for fixed and open and what the off weeks are and, and whatnot. The, the thing to know about this is that it follows NASCAR. If you want to know what the schedule is, look up the NASCAR schedule. The times of the races uh, is another question uh, that's always confusing. Um, we even had a discussion about this today in our thread because some of the times are uh, follow don't follow daylight savings times, the ones during the days on certain days. And uh, I don't profess to remember exactly how that works, but... Typically, right at this time of year, this is what the times are. For open, it's Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern, Friday, same time, for, uh, and then Thursday during the day, 2 p.m. Eastern, and then Sunday morning early, 10 a.m. Eastern for open. And then fixed uh, is, a little, is opposite those times, and so Wednesday during the day, 4 p.m. Eastern, then Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, and then a couple early starts Saturday at 5 a.m. Eastern or noon Eastern as well. So there's two starts on Saturday for fixed early. So there's four starts in one. There's five in another. Why? Well, that's just kind of how it worked out. But so what do you guys think? Schedule's good? Or any? Are you happy? Sad? It's kind of what I expected. Good. Yeah, the schedule part, I, I don't... Uh... I don't particularly like the full-length Bristol that they uh, they threw at us. I know they tried that last year, and then it got changed because I was hoping it was going to get changed. But Yeah, I'm happy. If you recall, a year ago, they were trying to implode the the NIS and do something totally different as far as uh, you know every couple hours or something instead of the four to five starts a week. But I really like the format because most people will only do one or two starts a week. You're running for points for all 36 weeks. It's pretty fun. Yeah, in that regard, like with the with the times and stuff like that, I'm glad I'm glad they stuck to this this format. I like that. It's uh, yeah, like you said, you know, you get a couple of starts a week, and um, there you go. And it's spread out throughout the week enough that you usually can find a time that works for everybody. You know, so, most of these times, somebody can work it out. You know. All right, well, let's keep moving. Mason, you'll have to wait on that AI demo derby. Yep, uh, we got a post from Tony Gardner. Um, 
commenting on a season two update question um, saying AI will not be in this build, but we realistically expect it will be released this year. We want it to be robust and be proud of it when we release it. Just so much to refine when addressing all the things that happen on track, close racing, starts, pits, race control, etc. All those details are what makes it good or not. We are making great progress. There are some very nice options on skill settings, building seasons, etc. So it kind of sounds like career mode there for the AI. Um, also, with, this is going to continue on with the, the damage model. Um, same thing with the damage model. It will not be in this build, but we expect this year we will release it likely in the back half of the year. Uh, we expect it to be better than our current damage model in every way. We will make a separate update post about it today in the forums, which is quite robust. Okay, so what are they going to have in the build if they're not doing AI and damage? I mean, what's left? We got Daytona. We got the the GTE, the draft, or the new package for the cup cars. So basically the tire NASCAR model, stuff. maybe? Yeah, that seems like it. I don't know. I mean, it could be time for that tire model. I'm, I'm kind of just optimistic a little bit, just a little. <laughs> Yeah, as far as the damage model goes, um, they, the, we have a second link up here um, for new damage model update is the thread posted by Richard um, Jobling, I'm guessing, or Jobling. Um, so he has it broken down. They're working on all vehicles, tire versus track, tire versus tire contact, car versus car contact, track objects that are going to be added, wheel damage. Um, there's work still remaining for effects, visual effects and uh, optimization debugging testing so he says when damn it after the initial launch we still anticipate room for improvement but for now we're concentrating on getting the new system out and finalizing what will be a solid foundation for future developments um, so it's sounding like i would say after september yeah later half of the year is kind of what has been alluded to there yeah and uh, one more thing it does allude to the fact that it will be at least it sounds to me like it will be a big update as far as memory wise. So we had a teammate who was running out of memory last night when updating his Oculus and I was like, well, <laughs> we got more coming. Uh, but he says it will not tax your CPU that much. They're adding all this stuff. HDR, don't forget about that. That might be coming in the next build. But HDR is going to be a little taxing. Every time they build, they add a build, they're adding stuff that can be done, and they have to optimize as well, which can offset that. But, uh, yeah, when they start doing stuff like this, it, you know, it does tax, like the right. sky. And one interesting comment that they made about tire versus track comments, a critical area of our simulation is the tires and how they interact with the track. The new system has been updated and optimized to make sure the tire coat works smoothly with the new track mesh. So that sounds like they're waiting to see how that's going to work until they roll out this damage model mm -hmm. well yeah it's you know we were hoping for ai i think in this build and um i think a lot of people were optimistic about it but there's a lot to it you know there's a whole uh system on the website you know or, or the beta ui that's got to be built to support it you know right and even if the ar ai are bad i mean if they wreck i want them to wreck so i can get around them and practice that so. Well, I believe in iRacing. They'll get it right. You know, that's probably why they're taking their time and they're not pushing it out, you know? Yeah, I'm excited. Lots of new stuff coming this year, I think. All right. And David, you got the next topic. 
of something new coming, the Circuit de Barcelona, Catalunya. Yes, this was actually leaked out during the Bothurst 12 hour broadcast. Um, and I've got a post showing here on the live stream. Uh, they are out there scanning Barcelona right now. You can see on the forum post uh, a few pictures of their equipment out there, and I guess some rendering. Uh, these pictures look like t uh, like low quality renderings. They don't look like the actual photograph, but then you can actually see the equipment. So it's interesting seeing some of the equipment out there, and uh, it's, it's another road course that'll be coming out. I don't know much about Barcelona, but uh, there was a funny reply on one of the first replies after this post saying something along the lines of Team Iberia is really excited about this particular track. Yeah, Spain is a yeah. huge supporter of sim racing, uh, typically. There's a lot of sim people in Spain, and uh, it's great for them to have finally have a, a backyard track, so to speak. Man, once I saw that logo, I kind of recognized that track from, obviously, like playing on Forza or Gran Turismo or whatever, but I'm, I'm excited to, to get out on there. A proper F1 track, too. So that's saying something, that they were able to get an F1 track. Uh, those are kind of hard to get. True, true, true. Well, it isn't Montreal the the Canadian Grand Prix? Yeah, I mean there there have some, but you know they certainly are lacking on having all the F one tracks. You know, and quite a few of them a, are street. This is the big get. Roads. Yeah, I, supposedly it's harder to scan street tracks. Like a Monaco, yeah. It took them a while to get Bell Al done, and that's a fun track. All right, and what do you guys think about how it was announced and let out? Um, big audience during the Bathurst uh, race, you know, that's probably a, a proper crowd to release it to. Yeah, I think they, they did uh, do it during the appropriate race if they're going to do it during a race. Um, it's also interesting that it seems Race Spot is now the, the broadcaster for iRacing. Yep. We'll talk a lot about Race Spot later tonight. Um, yeah. All right, let's keep going. Next topic, uh, I-rating and explanation. Okay, Randy Cassidy, actually, from uh, the staff, wrote up what he thinks is a great explanation, and I thought it was pretty good. So I'm going to read it to you, parts of it. And I want you just to close your eyes and just really focus on what I'm saying because you really got to wrap your head around the words of what I'm saying. Okay, so here we go. Everyone that finishes ahead of you in the session they take your I-rating points away, no matter what. You take I-rating points away from anyone that finishes behind you, no matter what. That's how it works. If you finish ahead of someone that has higher I-rating than yours, you're going to take away more points than if you finished ahead of someone with a lower I-rating than yours. So that's how it determines how much I-rating is getting ex exchanged. There's nothing else included in the calculation. That's it. It's really that simple. It doesn't matter about your incident points. It doesn't matter where you start. It really doesn't matter where you finish, actually, if you think about it. And the other thing that uh, he pointed out is the I-rating system uses what's called the ELO rating system from the chess world as its inspiration. So what do you guys think? I think it's a good system from what I can see, and I really don't think it needs to be adjusted. I think it, if you see how it's working as a... Uh, feeder system to the peak series and are the right people getting to the peak series i would have to say yes and you have to have the correct i rating to be in the peak series you know so um, i think it works what do you guys think is this a good explanation 
Yeah, I, I went down the rabbit hole and started reading the comments, and I said, this is Randy Cassidy attempting to explain algebra to iRacers, which is quite the task, um, because someone later down there tried to, to spell it out with a math formula, and Randy Cassidy puts it much simpler than that. It is a math formula, but you got to understand the con- concept behind the formula to really wrap your head around it. Right, and this this all came from someone who finished who got put in a split with a bunch of high-rating guys and finished higher than a couple of them but didn't get the as big of an IR boost as he was looking for. You just have to trust that it's correct. You can't say, oh, it's screwed up, you know, because I got a top five and I that guy got less I-rating than I did and I got more than he did. And how, well, how can that be? Well, it's, you know, it, it's all dependent on exactly what I just said. So I'm going to repeat it one more time. If you've... If everyone who finishes ahead of you takes your points away, everyone who finishes behind you, you're taking their points away. It's that simple. How many points? It depends on your I rating number versus their I rating number. It's a anecdotally. Ratio. Sorry, it's anecdotally, my experience says finishing the top half, you usually gain. Finishing the bottom half, you usually gain. If you're really at the bottom of the split you can get a little bit more uh, leeway on that and finish a little bit less than the top half and still possibly gain, and vice versa if you're, say, car number one. But basically, just finish as high as you can. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And, and what you said is technically correct, David, um, but the math is not, doesn't work like you said it. It's a different way the math works. But anecdotally, like you said, if, if you finish higher, you'll have a better I rating. The math works that way over the average because you, you get if you have less people taking your points away, you're going to gain points. All right, so now that everyone's confused, let's move on. Mason, zoomy zoom. Yep, something easy that uh, you can try with your camera um, if you're looking to, to get some cool replay shots. Um, we want to zoom out on our camera so you can do Control F12, then Control Z. Now you can use your mouse and left click zooms it in, right click zooms it out. Moving your mouse left or right moves the camera left or right. So again, control F12, control Z, mouse, left click zoom in, right click zoom out, and left and right changes the direction of the camera. So this will be cool. I'm sure all the broadcasters already know this, but for me, this will be this will make life a lot easier when trying to to find my car on replay sometimes. It's a kind of fly like a bird camera is the way I like it. And I have a trackball so that it makes it a lot easier. If you have a mouse, you'll find you have to pick it up and move it and pick it up and move it and pick it up and move it um because you want to keep moving forward and fly through the sky with this thing. But it really is that. It's a free form camera that you can move around with your mouse if you do those mouse clit or those controls that he just said. Right, and the sometimes the blimp cam gets caught behind the pits, like the pit stall uh, pit boxes, so this will be a nice way to, to get that up off of there. Now, while we're talking about it, you know, and the control Z thing where you can do that is kind of cool, but what I, the way I do this is if I'm spotting somebody, I'll go to the far chase camera, I'll hit control F12, and then I'll use the keys W, A, S, and D, and that will move the camera around. And you can move it 
in relation to the car you're watching from the far chase. And then if you hit Alt or Control while you hit W, A, S, or D, that'll give you alternate movements like up and down and in various other directions. And for those of you that can't follow along or uh, we're talking a mile a minute, um, there's a guide included on the link on our show notes for camera tools with the whole guide eye racing put together. Yeah, it, and it's pretty neat, uh, but that's how you move the cameras around. It's pretty easy. We, we've talked about it in the past, but it's always good to bring it up for new listeners again. And another one that we're going to bring up again, Groves, talk about the mystery of the meters. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I mean, we had uh, somebody kind of post up in the forums. He is wondering what was going on with his computer and the meters. And um, Nicholas Bailey came up with a pretty simple solution for his problem anyway. So his, his C meter was, was going crazy. It was all filled up. And uh, Nicholas simply said, if, uh, if if your C meter, which is your CPU, if that one is, is full, um, you can basically ignore all the other meters because they're going to be going crazy as well. But um, that's just uh, because the CPU is being overloaded and, um, throwing everything out of whack. That's now, a good tidbit, though. It really is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but he also went on to mention um, that uh, something with the sound portion. If if you go in the options and you're and you know if you're having problems, check the sound. If if uh, your your sound is set to system default, change it to your actual sound device, and that might actually solve some issues. Yep, and we talked about that a few months ago too, but that apparently is still lingering um, and still recommended. Don't let it sit at system default under sound. But yeah, the, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was interesting The uh, if he said if the C meter is full red, you just ignore everything else because that's your problem. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that was the big takeaway for me as well. And I, all right, cool, that makes it simple if you, know, you run into that issue. So well, on my old computer, before I did my new build, that's exactly what was going on. The, the C meter was full red the whole time. Interestingly, I don't have the C meter on, but I have the R and the G meter on, and I run them with the Rift, and they are pegged red often, and yet I don't see any loss of F. I mean, I sit around 45 FPS when it, when I'm, when it hits its lowest, but I can't see any choppiness when I get down to 45. So it, it seems to be running fine for me, even though I'm pegged in the red the whole time. Yeah, if you go in the app I and I, there's a thing you can turn from zero to one or one to zero where it will give you increased information on those meters. I definitely recommend doing that. I think I have it. I just it's you can then turn around and choose which ones you have on them on every each one of the individuals. You can tell it to do a number or the little slider bar, either way. All right, next topic. Happy birthday to the loud pedal, David. Oh. I had the wrong uh window pulled up. But I did, I did look at this one. Let me pull it up on the stream first. Sorry. You're doing the same. Okay. You're a good job filling in with Greg here. Thank you. Um, so now I have a picture of a birthday cake here with, a, I guess, a Formula One-ish looking car, not the iRacing logo in first place. It looks delicious, especially for somebody who's been doing keto for a while. Um, then you scroll down, and he also got a pair of pedals from, uh, oh, boy, this is German. I'm going to slaughter it. Heisenfeld Engineering. 
Um, they look pretty nice. I don't know very much details about it. And as you go down and read the rest of the forum post, it's all in German. Um, but that, yeah, that's a nice birthday present. I would definitely enjoy receiving uh, iRacing gear for birthday. What does it say, Mason? Uh, I did not get that. <laughs> oh, I thought you translated it. I, I tried. <laughs> but wow, the cake it looks pretty good. It, that logo looks perfect. So Thomas Null, if you are a listener, come on and tell us what that said. What a cake, though. Uh, and it's got a checkered flag on the side, and it says first place along the other side. And uh, the logo is perfect. The, the You know, the red, white, and blue with the driver with his arms up. Uh, and then it says iRacing below it. And the correct font and everything. This looks perfect. And so later, uh, this got reposted onto Instagram, uh, iRacing's Instagram, and uh, they showed it off as well. But uh, congratulations to uh, Thomas Knoll and his wife, who must be a fabulous uh, uh, baker. All right, uh, Brent, Daytona is not rising, or not now. Yeah, there was speculation that um, the for the peak, by the time the peak race came around here that we had on Tuesday night, that the new Daytona track was going to be available. And that is not the case. Unfortunately, it is not going to be out until the season two build. They're currently building the blueprints to recreate the stands and the new outer grandstand buildings for the track. As you guys can remember, that entire um, those stands on the back stretch are completely gone. Those are filled with blue um, billboards. And there's buildings inside the track on the infield that they're doing. And some of the outside, they have to scan those in addition to the track as well. Um, so several new buildings and structures on pit lane in addition to the stuff on the back stretch um alexander horn commented on here saying that he saw the renderings of um of the track and says that they look incredible end quote said he's gonna talk to greg about getting some screen screenshots for us so maybe we'll be able to see some pictures of that pretty soon yeah i saw a uh a comment here that said something about they're building it from the blueprints instead of scans yeah, I was just concerned about that. I mean, that's well, one thing that they're kind of known for is scanning everything. And is it different if they do it that way? Not if it's not part of the track. Maybe we can get a front row seat up there where Bobby Jonas sits. Possibly. His row ain't front. And they also said that um, the reason why it wasn't out for the peak series is because they have not had time to test it yet, the optimization, and to test the track with cars on it and to see how the um, graphics and all that integrate. So hopefully by March comes around in that season two build, we will have the new Daytona. Yeah, Alexander Horn said it will be in the season two build. So uh, cool, we'll get it then. Uh, so we have something to look forward to in the season two build. Uh, maybe to go with those tires, we'll find out. Uh, Tony Groves, E-NASCAR is announced. Yeah, so while we're waiting for all that to happen, um, eNASCAR announced, and it's live. You can go to www.enascar.com, and it, it's it's your portal to everything eNASCAR. <clears throat> um, really nice, uh, really nice laid out uh, website showcasing all the eNASCAR stuff. Um, right on the front page is the the race that was just done last tuesday um you can watch it in its entirety uh quick little scroll down um it gives the nascar heat pro league uh the peak antifreeze 
series and the uh, the NASCAR Ignite series. You can go in and learn a little bit more about those. Keep scrolling down a little further. You've got um, a whole slew of uh, various things to read and watch, different topics, um, all to do with eNASCAR. It's, uh, it's a really nice and well laid out website. I like it. I mean, you can get the schedule there. I was looking for points. Uh, we were trying to find updated points that were going to be plub, you know, published to on a regular basis. This would be a great place to put it, but I can't find the actual points. But hopefully yeah, they're adding a, it. This is a very nice um, one-stop shop if you're looking to find all the information you need, whether it be for the Heat 3 stuff or the um, Peak Series or even the Ignite Series. So this is um pretty good investment from NASCAR, and it'll help us out quite a bit. And two out of three things are iRacing, which is good. I wonder what the domain cost. I bet you somebody was squatting that domain. Enascar.com, guys. Check it out. That's pretty cool. That NASCAR, I, this is a great way to support this. I mean, this is really good that they did this website. I think this is a good beginning of the website. I'd like to see points. I'd like to see regular stories and stuff uh, like we're going to be talking about uh, later about the peak that get integrated into this website so it doesn't get stale i couldn't tell but could they could this also be an outlet for them streaming or no well there's a link at the top of each page that says peak series replay when i was in the peak section it does uh, have a link where i can click and it'll take me right to it the very front page is basically a live video window linked to youtube yeah, so I bet well, you when there's... it's live, they probably stream right to the front page. I'm going to have to check that for the next race to see if if that's the case. Yeah, they got the replay right on the front page, so I would assume so. Yeah, 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 it's it's front and center. It's the first thing you pretty much see. Um, but yeah, that'd be, that'd be neat if it's just another another outlet, another way to be able to, uh, to stream the race live. Um, that's definitely not a bad thing. Well, it's an easy way to say, oh, this is how you can watch the race. Go to enascar.com. Absolutely. You know, and that's easy for people to remember. You know, it's kind of catchy. You know, every, you know, it is NASCAR racing, enascar. It's, it's just perfect. So, all right. I got the next one. Uh, a final reminder about the 24 hours at Charlotte Oval Race uh, supporting Mission 22, which is a nonprofit uh, that supports veteran suicide issues and it's going to be february 16th so that's coming up here soon in two days from now guys uh op racing is the uh facebook group that you can contact to get more information and get involved there is a ten dollar donation necessary to the mission 22 via their website to get involved i don't know if they filled the race or not uh we did ask but we haven't heard back so let's get that race filled up. Let's support the veterans, guys. All right, hardware, software. I got the first one, a new card announced, the AMD Radeon 7. Uh, they're releasing it at a pretty penny of $699. It's a new silicon wafer fabrication at 7 nanometers thick. Um, it's basically an improved Vega 64 with more memory. Uh, the AMD is able to reach pretty higher uh, uh, clock frequencies. Uh, iRacing member Craig Capon commented, 
I watched a couple of reviews this morning from Hardware Unboxed and Linus Tech Tech Tips, and it looks like the card has some decent raw power, but beats the which beats the 2080 in some games, but it's inconsistent, which suggests to me that AMD can do better on the driver side. So not a lot of information yet on this. Uh, I don't think we have any uh, in iRacing that are actually using it yet that I've seen, so we'll have to get a better handle on this card uh, in the upcoming weeks. Yeah, it seems like uh, they're trying to up the ante by hopping on the new technology first. Well, AMD, you know, they have had nothing in response to NVIDIA's, uh, all their announcements of the 2080, you know, the 2080 Ti, and now we're going to be talking about the 2060 in the next story. Uh, they've had nothing, and now they have this. It's at $700, and uh, but we don't know. I mean, uh, we'll have to see who buys it. All right, and Mason, let's talk about the 2060 uh, next. Yeah, so the... NVIDIA came out with the GeForce RTX 2060. Um, it has been released. It is $399. Um, and it is a 6 gigabyte card with 1365 GPU clock speed. Um, it's now available for purchase, like I said. Um, I think we compared it before. It was like the 1070 1070 Ti, if I remember correctly. Right. But it, but it is now on sale. That's the big thing. All right. Six gigabyte car. I like the price range, three fifty to four hundred. Yeah, that is a good price range, and I believe Nvidia just updated their drivers yesterday because I got an update. So they are on the ball. Yeah, I'm liking Nvidia right now, and uh, I bet you this card would be okay as an entry level to VR. What do you what you think, Mason? Yeah, I would say even with the the six gigabytes instead of the eight, I would say probably it's it's gonna be able. That's to why handle I say it. entry level. I mean. And I'm at 1080. I don't know if that would be considered higher, but it does just fine on the VR. The, the performance of this card is probably a little lower than a 1080. Some of it comes down to the optimization, and the, uh, supposedly iRacing's bottleneck is usually the, the CPU more than yep. the GPU anyway. That's true. All right, David, you got uh, another uh, update about VRS Direct Force. This time it's Jake Burton. Okay, I did hear you guys talking about this uh, last night, um, but I'm just going to read you a little clip from Jake Burton's review as I have it posted. Um, he says that uh, you may only use two or three nanometers of resistance in the mid-corner, but unlike the G27 that he was used to, um, which was maxed out just to provide that resistance, the VRS Direct 4 Pro could spike up to, say, 15 nanometers for a fraction of a second uh, when he would hit the bump. One of the most obvious benefits for him was that the operating range enhances your ability to quickly judge the grip of the car available. And the first benefit of this was him being able to fill the limit of the car much quicker, and this helps uh, preparation a lot. I personally will have a little bit to add about this when, when I finally get my direct drive wheel from Fanatec. Uh, but I jumped up, I went ahead and bought a CSL so that I could take advantage of the rim. And even jumping from, the, from a G27 to a CSL, feels way better um so I, I can't disagree with any of his reviews uh there wasn't really much about the actual hardware or whether he had to use his own will or anything like that in the, the article he basically just spoke about how it felt compared to his g27 yeah i get a, the impression of a lot of smoke and mirrors here right now but you're right because there's no real hard there's no real information about the hardware i mean what are we what are we dealing with it, they're selling a box that has some software in it 
It obviously has some hardware in it too, but it's not a full uh, solution. It's something that you have to pair with a open, you know, OSW wheel or something like that. It's interesting. He came all the way from a G27 to direct drive. So I wonder how much of that is just, you know, that gap. That's exactly what I'm saying. The Even just the CSL Elite for me feels way better and way more natural. It feels like I'm in a car compared to the G27. I really didn't know what I was missing until I popped the uh, CSL Elite wheel on. I kind of translate what he's saying as the G27, when you hit a bump, every bump feels the same. It's, it's the same level of force. But when you have a direct drive and you have the you know special hardware from VRS and whatever they have, you get a big difference but when you hit bumps. You could have a real soft bump, you could have a real hard bump, and there's a big you know, difference there. Yep. Another di- difference I noticed on, uh, is um, the, the, the CSL is not as stiff in the middle, and then you can feel it get a little bit stiffer on the outside, so it feels just more like you're driving a real car. All right, well, I'm still anxious to see what actually uh, becomes of, of the hardware. You know, I haven't seen the, you know, them put out specifics about it, so we'll have to see. All right, Tony Groves, uh, let's talk another, wow, high-end wheel. Advanced <laughs> yeah. horse feedback. High-end wheel. Oh, man, you got to take out a second mortgage on your house for this one. Um, but uh, I, it looks pretty sweet. It's... Uh, from simsteering.com, um, in, uh, direct drive wheel. Um, I didn't really do a lot of reading on this one here. I saw the price and my my head almost exploded. Um, so how much me, is it? It's seventeen million dollars. Um, about thirty-seven hundred uh, U.S. Ooh. Um, yeah. So they say it's a it's a plug and play system. Um, it's got a huge adjustable steering lock range. It's modular. Uh, you get your choice, a UK, US, or uh, European power cable. Comes with an emergency stop button and high precision and strength industrial grade brushless servo motor. In brackets 52, I have to imagine that means something I don't know. Yeah, there's there's three different motors you can choose from. It says 52, 53, and 54. And the uh, 54 one is almost a thousand pounds more, which you know more least... than 3,700. Yeah, it's 4,700 dollars. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I want to jump in. This is Leo Bodner uh, wheel. Now Leo Bodner is a uh a name that's very well known in the sim industry for a very long time from the beginning, uh, known for his special cables that you could put on G27s. Uh, you could get a Leo Bodner cable and make your brake have uh, more input or something. Uh, anyway, this is his company, and that's why we're talking big money. You could go right in there with that $30,000 rig. Yeah, click the online store link on the website, and you'll see... It takes you to his leobodner.com website where you can actually purchase these wheels. And I got to imagine people actually buy these things. Um, that's just, it's so much money. It just blows me away. If you buy a Leo Bodner wheel, you know you're getting 
one of the best wheels that in the world and so i think that's why he sells them but man that is a lot of money i didn't i don't think i remember him being that much well, that's without shipping yeah i think it is it's obviously uh i think it is uk based um great britain but boy it's a nice little setup uh, looking at the picture i mean it's got an emergency button for stop it's got really thick cables so you can put the power supply down elsewhere and then the motor itself is quite small it's, it's a small footprint you know of course it doesn't come with a rim those are only 1300 pounds <laughs> all right I, yeah i don't know if this is what i would get when you have the the fanatec solution that you bought david is a i would jump all over that compared to this because that's a thousand bucks right yeah, the base was. I I got a I've got I bought well I bought one rim and I'm getting one at free from them because of the delay. So give us an update on that, David. We haven't talked about that in several weeks. What is the update on Fanatec and their direct drive wheel and the delay and the free wheel thing? Uh the direct well essentially yeah, I've I went started my play practices right when all of this happened, right at the end of Christmas. I was like, I'm going to get this wheel. I'm so excited. And then they post this announcement that it's going to be another five months. And, you know, everybody was kind of laughing at me. Well, then they put out a message saying, well, here, we're, we're going to give you this free V2 uh, F1 wheel in return. And then uh, I emailed them and several other people did. But what about right now? I need to be able to use my... I really want to, I basically asked them to send, just to send me a, a used CSL base that I could use until it came out. So I could go ahead and start taking advantage of my, my uh, Porsche rim that I originally only, that was originally going to be the only one I bought. And after they got that email from several people, they changed the, everybody gets this rim to, we're going to give you the credit for that rim and you can put it towards whatever you want. Uh, so what I went ahead and decided to go ahead and get the V2 wheel that comes out in February um and i bought a csl base like i've already said and i'm just going to run that until the in april when the direct drive wheel will come out uh and i'll hold on to the csl for a while just to make sure the direct drive works after that i'll unload it for probably about half price i barely used csl base man all right well that's the plan so the update is update is that it's still uh, that five month wait correct yeah, they have a, a, a mid-April release date, and the the uh, V2 F1 wheel comes out here at the end of February, like February 28th. He's got a calendar behind his, his head there with all the stuff crossed out, checking it off until we get the wheel. <laughs> yeah, you can see my stream. There's no calendar. There's just my Red Wolves, you know, painting. So if you want to buy David's base in... Uh say early may uh hit him up and you can pre-arrange it and pretty much about half price i know i could probably get more about it that but i really don't care seriously if your listener wants it hit up uh david hall and he will hook you up all right let's keep moving brent here's your participation sticker yeah if you guys have a uh, button box or a homemade button box that you have check out this uh, link we have in our show notes it's for a pre-made stickers for your button box specifically made for iRacing. Now, we had this on the podcast probably late last year, but it's always good to remind people that we have these. They're all iRacing Pacific specific. Um, anything you want on there. Basically, it almost has all the stickers that you want. So just peel them off, 
throw them on your button box and you'd be good to go. I was actually considering this until um, I think I'm just going to buy a label maker for myself because I'm getting my um, Derek Spears button box here in about a month. So this is another option for you guys if you don't have that button maker. I could just borrow my school's label maker. The, the only question is, do, did these guys outsource to Tony for their label production? <laughs> they can't hold a candle to my labels. <laughs> we should really make that like our first merchandise is Tony Grove's uh, signature labels. Now, they do have a website. It is simstickers.co.uk. Simstickers.co.uk. Yeah, nice if, you're, if you're just looking for any, I mean, there's numerous guys out there that make these. So just it won't be hard to find, but these guys um, that Mike just gave you the website for really good setup that they have. And it's very clean looking. So white, white lettering with the black background. So easy to see and really pops out for the eye. Can you give us that website one more time? Uh, simstickers.co.uk. Thank you. Yep, and uh, you can go on there, and what it does is it'll link to their eBay site where you can buy actually buy it there, I think. But uh, they have quite a, you know, different offerings. Uh, they have an opposite color where it's black on white as well. Um, and uh, so you can contact them and see what uh, what they can get for you. All right, next up is... That's the end of hardware software, so we're going to jump into results. NASCAR iRacing Series Daytona 500 happened yesterday. Nobody ran fixed, but I think nine of us ran the open. And so, Brent, why don't you start us off about your race? Qualified P2. Had a uh, P1 lap going until I screwed up the uh, trioval coming to the checker flag. Finished P10, led 19 laps. Top three majority of the race. It was pretty um, easy running for that. Running P3 with about 25 30 to go and p4 was just being too anxious i guess or he wasn't happy with me and basically you bump draft bump draft bump draft until he just pushed me through p2 i ended up lifting the rear tires off p2 spinning him out and everyone from about p2 to p12 got wrecked because of that with about 25 30 to go because p4 was too anxious so overall it was a good race it was a fun race i learned a lot the setup felt good for me. Maybe make a couple of adjustments as far as the handling goes. But it was good. I got to say, the setup was great, by the way. Well, the setup is made for the tires to be on the ground. So that might have been part of your problem. Yeah, yeah. No, I I got pushed into P2. So there's nothing I could do. <laughs> well, uh, you know, congratulations, uh, Brent, on running in the top five at the end of the race. And be in position to win. I mean, that's a that's a win in itself. I mean, you got to get to that point where you're in position to win before you can win, and you're getting to that point. Yeah, and I didn't um I didn't mention this because I didn't want to go through it again, relive it. But about halfway through the race, I was actually the leader, and I was we had our uh, green flag pit stops, or it was under caution pit stops, and I I ended up sliding through my pit box, and instead of backing up to get fuel. I ended up just, I said, screw it, and just went through and didn't pit at all. So I ended up being about 12 laps short, and we actually, it was green from that point on until that final caution, and I ended up going down a lap twice, but catching in with the leaders, and ended up getting my lap back when they would all come into pit. So it worked out in the end, just not the strategy I wanted, and how to finish how I wanted. And don't tell me you weren't warned not to do that. 
<laughs> well, it worked out for me. I mean, it worked out. Well, it did. Either way, you know, so it all worked out in the end. Yep. I was like, oh, man, that's 12 laps. You need fuel. And you're like, no, I'm going to stay out. I'm like, you need fuel. But you yeah, stayed yeah. out. I think um, if it actually would have stayed green the entire way, it would have worked out really well for me, I think. Because they would have pitted after I would have. And I would have came out in front of them all. And we would have just blended in right right to go. So it was only a 12-lap difference. It worked out in the end. I'll take a P10 for a Daytona 500. So, Yep. Nice run. All right. And uh, joining us late is a two-time Daytona 500 winner who was out doing his media obligations. Chris Scales wins <laughs> the Daytona 500, leading the last lap. Congratulations. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty busy with all the celebrity. But, yeah, it was uh, it was kind of an uneventful race. We, I think the, we thought the cautions were broken for a while because we were having spins and just nothing but green flag racing. But um, there's a, a good long part in the center where it's just riding around with um, Justin Laird, teammate, just kind of um, pushing me to keep me from getting too far away from the leaders. But I uh, got a caution towards the end and was able to get back up front and race those guys and and like you said the setup was was awesome i mean it, it, it could just about you could just about pass in our split you could pass up to almost um between probably about first and second place and that's about where you'd stall out without any help at all and then just finally got a good push there at the end when it was go time and yeah led <laughs> led probably about 20 feet but that's all that mattered you're in the outside lane yeah, yeah, we took, I took it three wide um, on the last lap, and everybody just kind of scattered, and there was a wreck behind us, and so P1 lost his pusher for a second, and I gained one, and the guy, instead of making it four wide, just stuck behind me, and that's all it took. All right, well, congratulations. What a way to start the season off with a win uh, for points and for everything. Uh, now you ran with teammates uh, Justin and Josh. Uh, I I don't know how Justin finished, um, but Josh, I'll read what he put down here. He got a P19. He did lead five laps. Uh, <clears throat> the prime highlight was taking the lead from fourth in one lap with no help until I was side by side with the leader. Five laps later, on a green flag stop, the second place driver overdrove the pit entrance, lost control, and ended up door slamming me, and I couldn't overcome the damage. At lap 150, the motor blew shortly after front-end damage from lap traffic. Uh, what could have been, it was a great set. I Justin run. Yeah, he ran pretty well. I mean, he just got he got caught up in one of the wrecks and had a, a little bit of damage, and, and that cost him his race. But he was still, and without him, I mean, it's like a, the race was a total team effort because without him pushing me for, I don't know, 7,500 laps, it seemed like. I couldn't have hung with leaders. Driving that set that I didn't touch, you know, that Brent and Mason built, and a paint that Bobby made. <laughs> yeah, we had an touch. updated set that we ran <laughs> that I hadn't put any laps on before the race. That You guys had updated it recently. But we ran it, and it was great. But yeah, him, him and um, Josh both were having great races. It's just that he didn't survive the carnage just got caught up in bay else's mess what i remember all right uh let's talk about some of these other drivers and how they finished tyler 
Conroy, who's one of our higher I-rating guys, uh, he said, I took myself and another car out. It was my fault. Oh, well, we'll move on. Uh, so he was out early. Um, uh, Brent, tell us how Bobby did. I was not in with Bobby. Oh, we have his notes here. Yeah, he wasn't um, too happy. I remember hearing him chatting. Yeah, I remember him at the end of the chat. He was not too happy with it. Bobby started P12, ran up top five most of the uh, first 75% of the race until the number 30 car ended up turning him going down the back stretch while running P3. So Bobby said he led 27 laps, again, finished P8. That's, res- that's a respectable finish for Daytona 500. Yeah. He wanted to give a shout-out to uh, Troy Anderson, who drafted with Bobby pretty much the entire race. Unfortunately, it was taken out by a lap car. So from Tifosi Race and iRacers Lounge, thank you, Troy Anderson, for uh, helping Bobby out. You contributed to that P8 finish where he did, so thank you. Yeah, top 10. Yeah, he was looking for a win, though, but, I mean, he works at Daytona, so uh, he actually works for the track. Um, anyway, let's talk about Mark Antonelli. Uh, his 500 was, he was in the eighth split. He qualified P6, finished P19. He had five minutes optional. Uh, he had 31 minutes for a new engine and aero damage, and he was able to help push uh, P1 and 2 away from 3, 4, and 5 in the last 30 laps. Decent setup. Uh, thanks, Brent, and everyone that helped out. It's his first Daytona 500 and first race with the team. Uh, only a P19, but still smiling. I'll try to race either Friday or Sunday morning. So good job, Mark. Uh, I'll talk about my race next, uh, P4. And I'm happy with that because I made mistakes. I was really wanting to win, but I'll take a P4 considering uh, how it went. I did lead the most laps in the race. Um, I was really confident, probably a little cocky. Both Brent and I were leading through the middle parts of our races and we were both a little cocky, but, uh, yeah, I spun getting on the pit road under a green flag stop. And I was so nervous about that. I was telling everybody ahead of time, oh man, I'm so worried about spinning coming on the pit road. And I think it was the second time we had three green flag runs in a row. It was a second time. And I spun getting on the pit road, and I had to spin it around. And and then I had a 15-second penalty because I sped on pit road because of that. Um, so I recovered from that by getting a caution much later and was able to stay on the lead lap. And so it worked out. And somehow I got up to the front fairly quickly but didn't have the right track position to get the win. I was just uh, you know right behind the leaders, and it's just hard to – I'm, I, you know, at the end of these races, you really have to be in the right spot if you're going to win it. Well, I think it boils down to you, you're driving out of your mirror more in these final laps than you are out of the front because you're looking for the runs and you're looking three or four rows back to see what line is lined up. It's got the solid line of group of guys in it. And frankly, that's the only way that top line is going to work if they've got two or three really strong cars out there. So you're looking for those lines to line up on that high side and then take advantage of that when you can. And you got to have help. I, I went to the high side. I went way too soon. It was uh, several laps to the end. It was way too soon. I don't know. I had a huge run. I just thought they were going to go with me. Nobody did. I got hung out. And I recovered back to fourth. But that was my mistake. If I wouldn't have went high and I would have waited to the right moment, I probably could have been in position to win. But I, I blew it. And, you know, it's the first race of the season. I'm kind of rusty. Uh, okay, I'll take a P4. I'm happy with that. 
Yeah. I've realized in the, the hundreds of laps I've ran here in the past two weeks that there's that high line works until you get up to about that second line of cars. So about P2 or P3. And then it's like the air from the leaders is like a brick wall and it just stops the momentum of that car. So unless you've got three or four guys on that high line, um, you can make that high line work with only by yourself if you're side drafting. But as soon as you get up to that leader, that second row, you're going to stop. Well, and it also matters the second guy on the bottom, if he's pushing or not. And he makes a huge difference too. All right. Uh, Mason, boy, you almost got it too. And you are getting to be very well known in this team as a restrictor plate driver. You got a P2. I don't know about that, but I'll take it. Um, yeah, it was a it was a good race. I was split five, uh, so running with a lot of the guys I did last year, which is Division Two. Um, had a good group of guys. We were able to uh, go single file for the majority of the race, and uh, we were really communicative with lap cars coming, where we didn't have any wrecks, at least in the front, because of lap cars. So that was that was great communication with with them um the ending well there was a, a after a caution flag uh, we had a pit stop there and coming out of the pits uh, two cars were ghosted together because they had come out like just from the front two stalls and all of a sudden the the front car gets spun sideways because it's inside the other one and so i thought i had damage there but i didn't i didn't get any x's but I still thought I hit someone because the guy in front of me had damage. So I assumed my nose was killed. But thankfully it was not, and uh, that was about the only excitement of the race. Otherwise, I was running three-quarter throttle, able to see the, the Camaro symbol on the bumper in front of me. It was a good set. Um, didn't have the help at the end. We were going through a whole bunch of lap cars, and uh, some were high, some were low. So the leaders kept getting farther away because they got the, the runs from the lap cars. So uh, coming out of Daytona with zero X, uh, I'll take that. So you, so you couldn't get it to the leader because of lap traffic and stuff. So if you rewind that race in your mind, where did it go awry? Where did it go? Oh, I needed to get ahead of that guy before the stop. Or can you well, pinpoint where that went wrong? Yes, exactly. Um, on lap 186, we pitted the, the front four of us. And uh, one of the cars was a lap down. The other one was not. Uh, the other two were not. Um, and uh, we were coming out of the pits, and I was on you know old tires, so I was spinning like crazy, trying not to wreck everything on the apron because that's so slippery. And uh, when we got back up to speed, there was a huge gap between me and who had been the previous leader. But he caught a lap car, so he was able to get the draft off of them before I had help to push me around him. And if I had gotten around him there, I would have been able to win it. I see. That reminds me, in my race, I forgot to mention... When I came off of uh, pit road the final time, I took no tires, and I was trying really hard to be the first one off pit road, and I was. But the moment I came off pit road, I looped the car because I had no tires. It just went right around. But the good news was iRacing let me keep my position. And one more thing on the cautions that you guys were talking about before. I do think there needs to be something looked at the cautions on that track because there's guys sitting in the middle of the road. And, you know, it's not throwing the yellow flag. Yeah, Chris, I think you told well, me the guy was stopped in the middle of the going across the track, completely stopped, and still no yellow. Yeah, there was a, a one wreck in particular where yeah, there was a guy sideways, pretty much completely stopped, and I had to stop almost completely to avoid the wreck. And, I mean, there was a fair, there was almost a pile of cars there, pretty much. And 
nothing. So I don't. Yeah, they they had to adjust something, or yeah, it definitely wasn't the same as last year. So the sensitivity of the caution, maybe. Yeah, maybe, or you know, maybe there was a little net Cody last night. I, yeah, I don't know, but there's definitely something different. Like, yeah, wasn't was it just me? I had a couple of teammates in the race, and they were kind of saying the same thing. Like, yeah, we had. I mean, if you have a car sideways in front of you and you are going straight at that car, that should be enough to trigger a caution. And we had probably, a, you know, like I said, a pile of half a dozen cars in that in a similar situation to that, and nothing. All right. Uh, next topic on this is somebody in our team put together some stats based on that race because we had nine drivers. Uh, they figured average start for us was 14th, average finish 11th, average number of cautions for the all 13 splits was actually five. Uh, lap time, uh, lap times, Mark and Mike ran the same fast lap at 44.217. Mason had the fastest lap of the team at a 43.81. Uh, and the team average uh, fast lap was 44.218. Most laps led Mike, 39, Bobby, 27, Brent, 19, Josh, 5, and Chris, 1, the final lap. It was uh, Bill that put that together. It's really cool. It's a neat thing that he did. I don't, you guys have to <laughs> dig through iRacing to get that? I guess he, yeah, I think you have to. I don't know if there's an easy way to do that. So, yeah, thanks, Bill. It's kind of cool to see that. Um, let's jump over to uh, other racing besides NIS. Uh, Brent, you had an A open win as well. Yeah, I got that A open trying to uh, test the setup. Qualified P1, finished P1, had zero X in the A open earlier in the week, just trying to get the setup right. So, I didn't All post right. anything, but I was, I was very close to one as well. I was, I was on the, outside of the lead pack and the two guys under me got into each other with about 10 laps to go uh, but i was running up front pretty well too and that was a top split a open yeah, i heard a open was pretty ugly this week now, ours ran clean till the end this was you know it was go time when it happened all right mason osra yeah that was uh that was pretty trash got wrecked at the beginning of the race and had to tow never got the laps back short answer Tony had to restart his computer during the race because there was an update, so it was a trash race for us. It was a better race overall for the, the league, but for me, not great. Not if you get wrecked at the beginning. All right, uh, Podium Esports, Brent. Uh, no race this week. Next race is February 28th at New Smyrna Speedway. All right, and then uh, the duel... Yeah, and then we had the major series. Mason and I both ran the majors uh, Pacific series. You guys check those guys out online. Thursday, we both had the dual race. I qualified. My qualifying time was at the back, and that duel ended up having a photo finish at the rear. And they do these duels. We had three splits. Uh, top three from each split gets to go to their uh, pro division, and that's televised on the um, iRacing e-networks so on thursday i had that i ended up having a photo finish p3 so i qualified for the pro series and sunday was the actual race qualified p25 was running in the top 10 pretty consistently i mean the setup that we have is pretty good so and we were running up there with guys like chris and chandelier and, and a couple other pro drivers that were there and ended up having issues on pit road because coming off of pit road i spun it twice ended up finishing p26 I'll take it for being in the pro series up there. It's all a bunch of high class guys. I was definitely the lowest I rater there. So it's something to be said, but P26, I'll take it. All right. 
And then Mason, how'd you go? Yeah, we were in separate splits. Um, he was in the pro, I was in the next one down. Uh, we were both broadcasted, though. Um, I started P30 because um, I had a crappy duel on Thursday. Um, I finished second yet again. Almost had first by .007 seconds. Um, I was in there with Kevin O'Keefe, uh, Lionel Callisto, and former IndyCar driver Richie Hearns. Um, this was a more eventful race. Um, it came from the back because of a fluke black flag. We were slowing down for the pace car, and the pace car did not catch up to us. I was coming down pit road. I had let the pace car pass me by 0.2 seconds, and it still gave me the black flag for passing the pace car. No one clears it, so thankfully... I was able to clear it because I was the last car on the line right at the green flag. And then we got an immediate caution. Luck was on my side. Um, Kevin O'Keefe dumped me later. He didn't see me. <laughs> my bright purple car, he didn't see that one. Um, but no hard feelings, Kevin. Um, but I had a quick fix to use. So it was. it ended up being a good race overall. Well, now you can say you've been dumped by Kevin O'Keefe. No, he's not the guy that usually dubs, but uh, it happens, right? Did you why me? I would have why if I got dumped by him, I'd why me. No, I did go back and watch his stream though to see what he was seeing, and it was interesting. He had just got done talking about how easy the cup cars were to drive, <laughs> and then boom. <laughs> yeah, that, that that was his fault. Yeah, you can't say something like that on the stream. You know, that's definitely gonna happen. <laughs> mm -hmm. Sounds like when I said I'm in pretty good shape to win that first Le Mans race, and then. <laughs> HPD yeah. just dumped me literally two laps or pull out right in front of me two laps later. All right. So, David, tell us a story about when we have a lot of team members, something sometimes happens. All right. Well, Mark joined us, and I was excited to have another guy who likes to do a lot of road racing come in. And we joined a Daytona race. He was in a GTE. I was running the prototype. Um, five or six, seven laps in. I don't know. We're already lapping. The prototypes are already lapping the GTEs. I'm running pretty decently i come up on him in another car they're too wide i go ahead and boost past him on the outside and he gets a little bit into the grass and completely loses control in turn one and destroys me and i ridiculed him and trolled him <laughs> for the next two hours and had a blast with it because it was though really i mean i couldn't stay mad you know because uh, it was a legit mistake but i still took took the uh, i took the advantage took the opportunity to haze him as best i could he was probably trying too hard not to run into you and kind of got in the grass. Or It happens. I, I had a thing with a, a former teammate, Matt Bowley, that every time we were in a race together, one of us would wreck and somehow collect the other. And it was eerie how it kept happening. It was very weird. So maybe you guys have a magnetic uh, personality connection. We'll see. Okay, yeah, let's keep just... moving. Uh, Tony, sorry, go ahead. No, oh, I was just... Uh, just just going to add to that justin laird and i every time we practice together we we wreck each other um, oh yeah yeah happens every time yeah there's certain people you'll just get a, a hook to right yeah yep i think everyone will experience that at some point all right let's jump into the next thing it's the peak series uh a very busy first week for peak uh first of all we had the build-up as i call it and uh, that's uh, social media, guys, um, all over. N uh, Nick Ottinger uh, put up his ride. Uh, hey, spot the difference between the real JG, JTG Daughtery racing car versus the paint job one. Uh, Mason, were you able to figure out what the difference was? Yes. Uh, there's a couple of sponsors. 
Um, and the front end uh, graphics don't start at the same spot on the blue and and uh, red line on the front left fender. I the big thing I noticed was the head uh, above the the windshield. It says peak, and on the other one it says monster. Well, look now, that's just too obvious. Well, duh. <coughs> but uh, other tweets by Parker Kligerman. Um, uh, he said, you know it's 2019 when you go to do a fixed A-class race in iRacing to practice for the duels, and the pole sitter for the iRacing Daytona 500 is in that race too. It was William Byron. Well, for the real Daytona 500. Right. But he was in a, a, a apparently right. a fixed A-class race with Parker. Right, right, right. And then uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, tweeted uh, before, during, and after the race uh, several things about the uh, peak race, trying to gain, uh, p- get people involved in watching it. So thank you to Dale Jr. Uh, Burton Kligerman Esports, they have a Twitter account. Uh, <clears throat> they were talking about it as well, um, as well as iRacing, obviously. Um, yeah, so if I can hop in for a second, I think it's very important that you follow these guys to show your support for the Peak Series. Yeah, that's a good point. And I did go on the iRacers Lounge Twitter handle and follow all these teams, actually, just as you described. Um, because it is important to, to show interest and uh, to get involved and, and, you know, show them some return of their value that they're investing. So somebody put together a spotter guide where you could see all the different paint jobs of the peak drivers. Uh, that was a nice touch uh, that they put that together. And then the race happened. And Mason, I'm going to let you describe uh, shortly, in a briefly, uh, how the race went. Yeah. Um, first, uh, it was broadcasted by RaceSpot TV um, on iRacing's uh, esports YouTube and Facebook. Um, RaceSpot TV has a www.racespot.tv slash timing, um, which has the timing and scoring links, which is fantastic. Shows all the pits, um, how many laps on the run, stuff like that, intervals to the leader. So it's I love that. I'm gonna definitely keep checking that out. Um, they interviewed uh chip wow president of daytona which was great he talked about how how they're used to um how they're, they're using iRacing to prepare rookies um, when he was working for the race teams and he also talked about william byron being on the pole uh, this was the late afternoon into sunset race so we got to see dynamic sky in effect um, chris overland was starting on the pole for this race for the he was in the motorcraft 16 car for the wood brothers racing and uh, like we said last week, there's going to be no Logan Clampett, so it was a 39-car field, and it was a one-race penalty instead of a two-race penalty, because uh, Las Vegas is two uh, two weeks from Daytona. Um, right off start, everyone dived to the bottom, and I noticed um, on the number nine car, he had Ray Everham-inspired numbers. We had talked about the uh, custom numbers last year. I don't know if they're in iRacing or not. I haven't looked, but those stripes off the, the nine are on there. Cool. Uh, they, uh, the RaceBot TV put up a promo code to sign up for iRacing. Um, it's uh, P-R-E, so pre-E-NASCAR 2019. P-R-E-E-NASCAR 2019. Um, and I'm not sure what the discount is, but check it out if you're wanting to sign up for iRacing. Um, we also got to hear from Yusan Hamilton, who was uh, the peak, who is the Peak Series competition director. We haven't heard from him in a while, so it was great to hear uh, from him in this 
race, and he uh, works to bring real life to the Peak Series, mostly the rules, he said. Um, he's trying to get competitors in the Peak Series the same tools as on the National Series side. And he did also mention William Byron, who seems to be the, the hot topic of this race since he got the pole. Um, there's, if you do a quick search on Ray Alfalo online, I'm sure you'll see his fantastic move. He, he was coming up on a lap car, and lap car couldn't decide whether he was going to go high or low, going into turn three. And the lap car decided to go middle, which is obviously the worst. <laughs> and uh, Ray went down below the yellow and managed to, to not wreck because he was trying to avoid that, that lap car. He went below the yellow, came back up onto the track, and boy, was it exciting. Yeah. Uh, there's a bunch of people spinning out on pit road. It was a disaster as far as that goes, both on and off pit road. And, and that carried over into our NIS uh, yeah, series. Yeah, it, it did. And, you know, when I, I only caught the end of the race because I was at work and I was just getting off and I was listening to it on the way home. And But, yeah, getting on pit road was really the big theme in the, throughout the middle of this race. That's where the carnage happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was mostly green flag. Uh, there was one lap 10 caution. People was getting a little aggressive. Um, then they settled in. Um, then it came lap 95. Uh, There's another uh, wreck that collected several cars in the mid-pack. Um, they were put three wide, and then uh, Yaraltian got taken out, or took out Bobby Zelensky, and then they both pincered the field on the tri-oval, and it was just a disaster. Um, last lap, then, we had big wreck and the mid-pack, but the green flag stayed out, so I wonder, I'm sure it was live officiated, right? Yeah, um, could, it was could, a one-lap shootout at the end, right? Yeah, because that should have, like, like I was saying, that should have been a caution in any other race, but it looks like they let it play out, which was great. I applied that decision on the last lap. Um, so your winner was the I think it was a timing thing, Mason. I don't think they did that purposely. I just think that the caution naturally ended with one to go. Yeah, if it's, you got one lap to go, that caution's not going to come out. Gotcha. It doesn't own any automatic caution, even. Once once the white flag's out, the game doesn't throw cautions. Well, geez, I was trying to get them all the credit. I guess not. <laughs> anyway. It was just a perfect timing uh, when the caution came out that they were able to get a one-lap shootout at the end. But uh, what was interesting is nobody got to see that one-lap shootout. Yes, uh, our stream camera said, stream disconnected, streamer has stopped streaming. As soon as they came off turn two, Jimmy Mullis went to the outside and then black screen for everyone watching. So we missed uh, the last half lap, that's what we missed. Yeah, and they came back on in about, I would say, under five minutes or so and played the last lap about 60 times to make sure we got it. And we did get it with the number six of Zach Novak racing for Roush Fenway Racing, who is our eNASCAR Ignite Series champion for the year, winning his Daytona 500. All right. Well, congratulations to Zach. Uh, let's talk about the disconnectedness of the stream a little bit. That was certainly the talk right after the race because I had gotten home from work. I would put it up on the big screen. I was watching. I was cheering. I was excited. The announcers were doing great. I was into it, man. This is a NASCAR race. It was just like watching real NASCAR. They, I, and again, the announcers were great. They were relevant. They were covering everything that was happening correctly. Uh, what they said was relevant. Uh, it was just good. And I was very into it. And then the stream stopped on the last lap. 
And it was like, oh no, what's going on? What's going on? And it's like the worst timing of, that it could possibly be to lose the stream is on the last lap. And I was just thinking, boy, what, is the, what kind of backup system do they have? All these NASCAR people are watching. You know, Dale Jr. is telling all his fans to watch. And this happens. And they can't even see the end of the race. And, it, and then the stream came back. It was maybe out, what, 45 seconds, maybe one minute at the most. Oh, okay. Did, now, um, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, I just, I just want to touch on, I don't know if you were going to get to this, the backup system for the, when they broadcast. Did you read into that? I did. I actually reached out to the uh, main announcer uh, on Twitter, direct message, and asked him, hey, what happened? And he actually uh, direct messaged me back and said that the main producer lost power. Yeah. So I guess when they're doing these broadcasts, they have your main producer, who's um, number one for streaming. And they actually have, I believe he said, one backup. backup, if not two. Yeah. So with a 30 second to 45 second delay was, he said, naturally, that's going to happen because that that second producer has to get has to start streaming that and they have to switch everything over. So they did it as fast as they could. It's just unfortunate that it happened on the last lap of the biggest race of the opening race. Very unfortunate timing. Yes. Uh, the backup system is cool. Will Vincent is actually one of the backup producers and he posted in the forums, uh, Basically, he's sitting there broadcasting the race to nobody. He's like has it up and running on his, in the sim, and he's just waiting to push the go live button, go live to Twitch button, and he waits until the moment something goes wrong, and then he pushes the button. and it, And so the backup system worked; it worked perfectly. They were able to get the stream up in forty five seconds because Will Vincent was sitting there ready to push that go go live button and have the replay ready and all that. And he and it worked, and but you they can't get rid of the thirty to forty five seconds. Now, naturally, there's going to be a delay in there from when that stream goes down to that other one comes up because you've got to have some streaming delay. It's kind of like when you're broadcasting on national television; you got to have that five ten second delay with there just in case something pops up, somebody says something they're not supposed to. So this, I think, this went pretty smoothly. Just unfortunate. Any live stream you run, there's it, it runs quite a bit behind live. Well, yeah, but you just can the nature that. of the network. You can you can change that in the settings. So, like on Twitch, you can change whether it's 10 seconds behind, 20 seconds behind, 30, 40. So, I'm pretty sure they put in a safety net for themselves too, that first producer. But but yeah, like you said, Mike, how unfortunate, huh? <laughs> yeah, the timing was so bad. Like I said, I had just tuned in to watch it, and I was getting all fired up the same way, and it was it was so bad. Like, in turn two on the last lap, I thought it was a set of Corsa had, like, EOS attacked iRacing or something. I, I thought it was more nefarious than a power outage. But I was because glad to see the, the... Yeah, and the, the backlash wasn't all that bad. That was good to see, too. Like, the yeah. community didn't, you know, catch on fire like it does with a lot of things or like you see with other social media stuff. Everybody was really cool. Well, the racing from the beginning to the end was absolutely phenomenal. The commentary was spot on. I love how they did the interviews with the uh, Daytona president beforehand and how they just kept the show moving. So from start to finish, was extremely well put together. Kudos to iRacing and everyone at iRacing's network who put this together and those individuals at NASCAR and those teams. Very well yeah. done. And kudos to RaceSpot for having a backup system because how embarrassing would it have been, guys, if they didn't? 
uh, the stream would have ended and then nothing would have came up. Uh, thank God they came back up within like 60 seconds and was able to show the a replay of the last lap. And uh, for all those viewers that were just kind of left hanging, uh, that was a really important thing that happened. And so a big shout out to Race Spot for having that backup system. Good job. So, yeah, let's keep moving. Uh, there were a bunch of highlight videos about the uh, race and, uh, you know, the winner, Novak, he gets a thousand. Remember, Novak is the winner of our uh, our youth uh, series called the NASCAR Ignite series. He was the winner of that, remember. And now here he is winning the first race of the Peak Series. Um, this kid is hot right now. Uh, announcement on the uh, numbers of viewers, uh, 3,700 on Twitch, 1,200 on Facebook, 2,000 on YouTube. Pretty low. I was thinking it would be a little higher than that. Well, I want to know what the comparison is with their like last year's streams so how does this this viewer yesterday or on tuesdays compared to the first week on last year tuesday race those are the comparisons that i want to see well tony gardner had said somewhere this week that the numbers are in the six digit range on views on peak races in the past but i think he's looking at you know overall views over a period of time not just the first few days uh finally uh just earlier today uh, the Associated Press came out with a beautiful article about iRacing, uh, peak uh, Ray Alfala specifically. Um, it's called Drivers Connect Your Wi-Fi, iRacing a Hit in NASCAR is the title. It was picked up by the Washington Post, the USA Today, and many other major media outlets. And so this is getting a lot of press. I did read the article. It starts out with an interview about basically Ray Alfala and how he got involved in iRacing, uh, how he's mastered iRacing. It talks about Dale Jr. and his involvement and other racing stars and how they are involved in iRacing. Uh, it goes on to interview um, Parker Kligerman at the end and get his take on what's going on with uh with this and uh, a quote from Parker Kligerman at the very end, I believe that sim racing has the power to lower the barrier into in to entry into motorsports. At some point, someone will go from the console game to iRacing to the peak to real NASCAR. That will happen in our lifetime. That will happen. Quote. Hasn't yeah. William Byron already done that? Well, he didn't go through peak to do that, but. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree with his, uh, with what Kligerman said. The article was very well put together. I thought it uh, it did a lot of good for iRacing. Hopefully, it does a lot of good for iRacing. And kudos to the AP for putting that out there. And they do include that iRacing is more than NASCAR, Porsche, Outlaw Dirt Series, Sprint Car, Rallycross, and GT Endurance. So they're trying to get everyone involved. You could definitely tell that they're trying to bridge that gap between the NASCAR drivers and the individuals directly involved with NASCAR and the average individual like you and I, they're trying to make that gap closer and try to make us all inclusive. So it's very uh, helpful. Yeah. And it's a very good article that will teach you what iRacing is. It talks about it's $6.50 a month or $55 a year. You need to get a pedals that range from 200 to a thousand dollars you know, and all that kind of stuff. And it gives basic information about what is iRacing. And, um, 
And if somebody was to read this that doesn't know, they're going to learn about it for sure. I think over the past year, haven't you, haven't we seen a definite shift in the way that PR has been uh, portrayed for iRacing, the positivity from that, especially in the outside media with uh, NASCAR just coming on and even uh, the Porsche series and everything and the Pro series. It's just more and more media, and it's just every day, every week, it seems to be getting better and better for iRacing and nothing but up from here. Yeah. And our podcast is going the same way. It's going up. We're getting a lot of listeners uh, because there's a growth going on in this sport. So, all right, that's it. Let's jump to final thoughts. David Hall. Um, look forward to be back. Show is next week, back on a regular basis. And if you're watching the stream, you can see I'm actually running at Spa right now in a Porsche HPD. Or no, LMP. Multitasking. Good job. All right, Brent McCoy, final thought. Mike mentioned our podcast numbers are, are going up every week. That's true. Keep an eye out on social media, I, uh, Twitter, Facebook. We got a lot of stuff happening on Twitter here. Also, through the iRacers Lounge, keep an eye on information to be popping up in the next month or two through the iRacers Lounge as far as different advancements with our um, with our team and everything happening over here at the iRacers Lounge. So keep an eye out for that. Yeah, we got a lot of new initiatives regarding social media. We're making a few changes and tweaks, and uh, yeah, keep your eye on it. Chris Scales, final thought. Uh, man, it's glad to have NIS back, and I think we had nine teammates, I think, last night racing. I mean, it was, just, it was so much fun when NIS is going and, and the team's clicking. But I think I have a, a good balance this year of NIS through the week and Old Bastards on the weekend and, and Monday to, to keep that life balance. <laughs> so I think I'm looking forward to this year. It's going to be awesome. Yes, and congratulations on the Daytona 500. Good job. Mason Stiver, final thought. Yeah, it's uh, been a good week at Daytona. So far, I'll take two second places. I uh, can't complain about that. But um, I think I'm going to start looking into an 80-20 rig. Just trying to decide what I want. Um, and looking for a comfortable seat, especially for these long races. Yep. And I told you to do some research. We've been talking about 80-20 and uh, thinking future thinking. You know, what are you going to do after 80-20 and, and plan for that, you know, when you build it. All right, Tony Groves, final thought. Yeah, I guess I should congratulate all you guys on having a great, uh, um, you know, Daytona showing for the first race of the week anyhow. Um, especially scales for uh, for winning. Dude, that is that is just awesome. Um, mine, on the other hand, I can sum it up quite easily in three words. It sucked and allow everyone to make up that third word on their own. All right. Very good. <laughs> Sorry that your race sucked. Uh, all right. My final thoughts, uh, boy, I wanted a win, man. Daytona 500. I was hungry. It's been a long off season. I, I know I'm capable of it. I prove I'm capable of it. I led the most laps. I was there at the end, but I just made the wrong move, and it happens. And that's the only way you learn how to make the right moves is you got to figure out how to lose the race before you can learn how to win a race. Um, and so keep that in mind when you're frustrated that you're not winning these big races. It's tough. And, and this is like my sixth year running this. Again, I have almost the most starts. 
of anyone in the NASCAR iRacing series. And so I'm also very proud to continue that tradition. I love to, I want to keep that number. I want to keep being the guy who has the most starts. So excited to start that again and looking forward to the season. So with that, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.